I asked my oldest daughter actually this morning for a story of love and hope from our family because that's what this story is. The story that the Dr. Luke outlines in this book of Luke that he has researched painstakingly. The story of the life and the death and the resurrection and what we just read about the ascension of Jesus is a story of love and hope. And I, it, it was perfect. I said, what's a story of love and hope from our family? And here's what she said. She said, before Boaz was born, my only son, the youngest of my five kids, she said, before Boaz was born, we were hoping for a boy. And God answered our prayers. And Boaz is the most loving person in our family. And he shows that in so many ways. I didn't say it was my favorite. Christy said it. That he's the most loving one in our family. So that's a, a story of hope and love. And actually today that's what we're focusing on. is a story involving hope, love, and an only son. Jesus. So let's pray before we dive into this a little more. Father, we need to know your love this morning. Some of us come in here today completely overwhelmed and at the end of our rope. Some of us come here today and say, I, the only ounce of, I, of hope I had left was enough to get up and go to a church gathering on Easter and that's about all the hope I have left. So God, fill our hearts with the hope and the love of Jesus Christ today through this passage, through your word, and through the good news that we're about to hear and dive into. It's in Jesus' name we pray, believing that you restore and renew hearts. Amen. Amen. There's going to be, just so you know, a couple interactive questions during this sermon. And if you are familiar with going to church and being part of churches, that may be new to you. Uh, But we really believe that the church is you, the people of God on mission to the city and loving the city. And so these, uh, these times together on Sunday aren't just for monologues, but they're for equipping for you to, to grow in your grasp and understanding of the gospel so that you can go and share it with others. So there will be a couple questions and you are free to speak up. I do ask usually that you answer with more than one word answers so that we can have a conversation together and speak up. Don't be shy. So we'll get to that in just a second. So as we talked about a minute ago, somebody mentioned somewhere along the way, I think Kenny, between the songs, uh, talked about life and death. And death is the end of all hope. Death is when you're emptied of hope and of love. And no one wants that, do they? No one wants To reach the end of hope. And so we all need someone or something that can undo death. Don't we? And if you're dead, and I don't mean, you know, just uh, like you're dead and nothing else happens. but, But, of course, we're coming here, we're Christians, we believe that there is eternity. And that's what we're preaching and that's what we will teach. And if you're dead, and I mean like eternity has ended for you dead. You're out of hope. And none of us want to be out of hope. So we need someone to give us some some anti-death, pro-eternity level hope. Don't we? But let me ask you first, what are some places where people, where we, where your friends, where you yourself finding yourself putting your hope? What are the things you look to and you say, because I hope in this, I'm going to live my life in accordance with that. 
Big or little, what are the things you put your hope in? Your job, whether your job goes well. Keeping your job. Having money. Your health. Yeah. Being valued by friends and family. Just having friends and family, yeah. What's that? I'm down here alone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so having your family move close, your hope is in that. When that happens, everything will be right with the world. Yeah. <laughs> Just hoping that that will happen. Okay. Yeah. And what are the things that we kind of rest our lives on that we hope for? Brian? Okay, enough adventure and success for life to be worth it. Absolutely. A lot of us do that. Being able to provide for others. Yeah. So putting your hope in God. Providing and protecting. That's a good answer. Putting your hope in God. So, yeah, all of us have, whether we know it or not, if you're alive today and you came here, you have at least enough hope in something to have gotten up today and come here. And you're probably, you're, you know, you're a step or two above most of those in the world because you have not only woken up and stayed in home by yourself, but you've gone out into public to be with others. So you have at least enough hope to get up and get out and about today. And we've all put our hope somewhere, haven't we? And one day, or even today, that hope and that thing or person you put your hope in will get tested. In fact, every day, even in our little anxieties and worries and stresses and things we complain about, where our hope is gets tested. I think even this morning I got here early with my kids and we went to McDonald's and we're going to get a really nutritious sausage biscuit breakfast. (laughs) And and for, for at least like 30 or 40 seconds, the lady let me order before telling me that their credit card machine was broken. And I was just so, I was like, I can't believe... That she let me go on and on. So all the time, even in those little moments, right? It's like, what am I finding my hope in in that moment? Like, I'm resting my happiness on that fast food will be instant food. And if it's not instant food and I can swipe the credit card instantly, then I'm not happy. And we get tested like that all along the way. But we also, more seriously, we get tested in, in massive ways throughout life. Many of you have been been touched in different ways by by loss and things that you mourn over. When your wife leaves you for another man. When your child is taken from you. When your friends betray you. When you fail at school. When you get fired. When your co-worker bullies you. What or who will get you through those moments? Who will be strong enough and have enough love to be your hope in the darkest and the deepest moments in the here and now? 
And whether you believe right now in, in Jesus Christ, I, I believe that you know those are important things. That where your hope is, is important because life can be difficult. And so if you want to know where the surest place to put your hope is, how to place your hope there, then I want you to listen up this morning. And I want you to know too that Jesus isn't only the the surest and the most right place to put your hope, but He is the most love-filled. His hope is the most love-bought, heart-softening, love-inducing place to put your hope. It's not just the right place, but it is the most loving and that will fill your life and the lives of everyone around you with the most love to put your hope in Jesus. So if you don't hear this today, if you don't really listen and dive into this with me today, my concern is not just that you won't have right beliefs and that you'll be wrong about something, but that you'll lose out on hope, on real, lasting, solid as a rock, joy-inducing, life-transforming sureness that everything, everything is working out for your good in the end. That you will be forever loved. And that you will be forever cared for. So knowing where hope comes from is at stake today. Knowing the one that gives us hope is at stake in this passage. And so if having a reason to press on matters to you today, then listen up. And if having a reason to press on doesn't matter to you right now, if that's not a thing that you think about, it will soon. There will come a day soon where your hope will be tested and you, what you'll see where your hope is because that's what you'll turn to when, you're te- when your life becomes difficult. And you'll wish you had listened to that sermon on where to find your hope. <laughs> and you'll... You'll remember this, even if you don't remember the passage. So remember this passage. Remember, listen up today, because all of our hope will be tested. And unless our hope is in Jesus, whatever else you have your hope in, all the things we talked about, all of those can be taken from you in the next five minutes. Have you ever thought about that? Anything and everything, family, life, health, Job, any of those. You could get a phone call. Something could happen. You could get in a car accident. Any of those could be taken from you in the next five minutes. Except Jesus Christ. Amen. And I want, you to, I want to let you know that, that this is for your good today. Because if you were to lose your hope. Because when we die, all those other things are lost. We don't get to take them with us. So unless your hope is, is outside of you, your hope is dead when you die. And Jesus is outside of you. And He does not die when you die. And not only is He alive, but He actually once was dead, He defeated death, and now He's alive again. Amen. So this is for your good. God brought you here today. You didn't come here by chance. You didn't come here because it wasn't, there wasn't too much traffic. You didn't come here just because your friend or your family member or, or the guilt within you caused you to come here today. You are ultimately here because God wants you to hear that He loves you. Yeah, and that He cares for you. 
and that he wants to redeem your life to be his and to be in relationship with him because he loves you. And he wants to show you how wonderful his love is for you and how solid his love and his care is for you. And also God wants to to work through you to show that love to others. It's not just for you. It's so that he can, he can love the people that you love. He can love the people you don't even know you're going to love someday through you. And that's why he's brought you here today. To show his love to you and to the world. And I'm, I'm with you in the struggle for hope. I'm not standing up here as, you know, I always put my hope in Jesus. My life is perfect and everything is peachy keen. That's not what I'm here to tell you. You know, sometimes I take my focus off of Jesus as well when I'm tested. Even, like I said, even at McDonald's this morning is a little example of it. But uh, I, I sometimes put my hope on other people or on myself coming through for myself. Kind of picking myself up by my bootstraps. Uh, like the other day when I put my hope on myself, specifically on, on me being able to be a great parent. Like I mentioned, I have... Five kids. So there's lots of opportunity to, to be a great parent, and there's lots of opportunity to be a, a you know, one notch below great parent. <laughs> and I went into the other day with that kind of mindset, though, thinking to myself, self, if, if you'll just make it through today being an awesome dad, showering your kids with all the affection they could imagine. Disciplining every act of disobedience with the supreme grace and just the right amount of firmness. <laughs> if that happens, your soul will be filled with joy, is what I told myself. And everything in the world will be right. But I didn't say those words, but that's definitely, I put my hope on that. And, and guess what? I wasn't a perfect dad that day. <laughs> And so what happens when I put my hope on myself being a perfect dad and it doesn't happen? I'm disappointed. I'm, I'm tempted to despair. I, I'm discouraged. I, I think, well, if, if the thing I put my hope on can't come through, then there is no hope anywhere, right? And I had to redirect my gaze, my focus on my hope being in Jesus. And even more than that, like even if I came through for a day, because you do have those good days as a parent, right? Where you're like, I may not have been perfect, but I know I was better than the neighbors because I could hear what was going on from the wall. But even on that day, like, that's not enough hope to, like, share with the world, right? That was enough to get you through the day that you did, right? But it's not enough to go to your neighbors and be like, you should put your hope in me being a great dad because that will fill your life with care and love and hope. And I want to hope that I can share with others, not just that will get me through the day. So we all need a hope we can be sure of. We need a hope that we can find, right? Because there's a hope out there you can be sure of. You just can't find it. That's not going to work very well. And we need a hope that we can share. And so we're going to look at how Luke 24 answers this need, this hope problem that we all have. The need for a hope we can be sure of, a hope we can find, and a hope we can share. And of course, we're here, it's, what day is it? Easter. Easter, and you're at a what? Church. 
church gathering, right? So who are we going to talk about? Jesus. So, of course, like it's kind of a spoiler as you came in, right? I wonder what hope he's going to talk about. Uh, of course, it's Jesus. But I, but I want to show you that a little more, not just say in a, you know, just say it and leave you there. But, but of course, we are here to celebrate Jesus raising from the dead. The celebration of the fact that he lives. That's right. The celebration of the fact that he lives. That's right. So, of course, I'm here to proclaim Jesus, that the risen Jesus is the hope that we can be sure of, the hope that we can find, and the hope that we can share. He's a hope we can be sure of. Whatever it is that we've put our hope in, whatever it is that we look at towards the future and we say, you know, if this thing holds up, I'll, I'll be good, and so I'm going to live my life aiming towards that thing. We want it... We want to live according to that thing's security, right? Yeah. We want it to be sure, like, a, like an anchor of all anchors. And we want it to be filled and overflowing with the things that all humans value, joy and love, the things that we all find joy in and love. We want it to, to bring us to the end, to be eternal and solid. And so if someone or something is going to sustain me for those trials in life that I mentioned, and for all of eternity, I've got to be really sure that when the storms of life come, whatever it is I put my hope in will hold true. When the storms of life come, I want to know that wherever I've placed my hope, that thing or that person will hold true stay solid. Well, just before Luke 24, the storm came. The storm of all storms came. And in fact, the one who makes the storms rise up, God Himself, poured out all of His storm-making power on Jesus for you. When Jesus was hung on the cross, All of God's power, what the Bible calls the wrath of God against our rebellion against God, was poured on Jesus for our good and for our salvation so that we do not have to bear that wrath. The storm of all storms, the wrath of God came and was poured out on Jesus as He died on the cross. And that's why Luke 24 exists. Because all the wrath of God, all, all the power of, of God, condemnation toward death was poured out on Jesus so the grave couldn't hold Him because death was defeated. The storm came and Jesus took all of its wrath and so He didn't have to stay dead. He defeated death on the cross and that's why He is alive. And we can think about, sometimes you may think about, yeah, rebellion against God, sin. I'm so glad that the people who are rebellious against God are not here with us today, but they're out on the streets, right? Sometimes we think that. And if those are your thoughts, you are, you're in error. You are wrong. Every time you put your hope in something else, that is sin. And that is deserving of the wrath of God. And Jesus bore all our putting hope elsewhere when he died on the cross. And he didn't stay dead. You ever think about why Christians lost the tomb of Jesus? 
mean, you can go to Israel and you can pay someone 20 bucks and they'll show you a hole in the side of the mountain. <laughs> Sorry. But a, 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 a crev- crevice in the side of a mountain <laughs> where there is a stone and they will tell you that it may be the tomb of Jesus. But I mean, what happens when you... If, if you were to lose someone important, we, we all seen it, whether you've experienced it or known anyone that's experienced it, you've at least seen it in the movies, right? Like if someone loses a child, or if a child moves away, what do you do? Like their room just becomes sacred, right? And you don't touch it. And, and it, it becomes this, because they're gone. And so you don't want to lose the memory of them. Or when a very important person is buried in a tomb somewhere. We remember that tomb. We don't forget it. We, we enshrine it. Whether that person is gone to us, we, we remember the last place they were. But Jesus isn't gone, so Christians didn't have to enshrine the last place He was. He's alive. And so the tomb was just a little anecdote along the way. His death defeated death. And so we don't have to remember his tomb. He's alive. You know, it's like when, you're, when your kid's alive, you don't look in the room and, and stop and look in the door and say, oh, there's shoes on the floor. I just remember. No, you look at it and you're like, they should pick up their shoes. Right? And so Jesus' tomb is that way for us. It's just a... Yeah, Jesus is over here. We're not enshrining every, like, we're not, we're not making bronze, you know, statues of his footprints in the sand. We're following him. We're going forward. So that kind of guy, the storm came and he endured the storm for us. The, the storm of all storms, the death of humanity was poured on him. Do you think that's a sure place that you can put your hope? Absolutely. Absolutely. On the one person who took on death itself and won. Now he raised some other people from the dead, but he did that. His, his resurrection from the dead was like no other. He had already defeated death when he went to the grave. There's nothing darker, nothing more horrific, and nothing more stormy than the death of all humanity. And that's the storm that Jesus endured and defeated and overcame and rose above. So whatever it is you face in life, if it's short of eternal death, which everything we face in life is less than that, Jesus can handle it. And He did handle it. And so He is a hope that we can be sure of. But not only that, He is a hope that we can find. Jesus is a hope that we can find. You look through Luke 24... In the story, what did Jesus do when he rose from the dead? In Luke 24. He went and visited people. And what did he do with them? He talked to them. He ate broiled fish. It's one of those like details the Bible likes to throw in. Like This isn't just a fairy tale. This is a real story of a guy who rose from the dead. And to make sure that you know that, it's not fried fish, it's not just fish. They broiled fish and that's what he ate. To prove like a spirit has no flesh and bones and stomach and whatever else is in there. Right? He's saying, I'm alive, I'll eat some fish to show you. What else did he do? He taught them. What did he teach them from? He taught them... The scriptures, right? How many of you own a Bible? Which, by the way, if you don't own one, these ones on the tables, you can take one home. 
And this is going to be important for my next point, is understanding Jesus t- had a Bible study. That's accessible, isn't it? I mean, Jesus didn't rise from the dead and say, like, for, to be my follower, you have to, like, unsolve some Bible code secret formula and, and magic thing. He's like, let's sit down and I'll show you. Oh, page 37? That's about me. Page 482? That's about me, too. And so that's what we get to do as the people of God, is, is we get to return again and again. And, and it, we'll get into it, and, and if you keep rooting... Reading uh, Luke's kind of follow-up to Luke. So the next chapter isn't really John 1, even though that's where we're going to go next week, and that's what's next on the page in your Bible. The next chapter of Luke's account is the book of Acts. If you go read that, they obey what Jesus said to do in Luke 24. They wait, and He fills them all with God. The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit teaches them. And He instructs them just like Jesus did. In fact, Jesus told His disciples elsewhere, He said... You can't handle everything I could tell you right now. So I'm going to put my spirit in you to teach you even more than this. You get that? When we get to go to the scriptures today, we get to learn even more than these 12 guys who walked around with Jesus. Because we have the Holy Spirit in us. He's not just walking with us. He's in those who place their faith in Him. That's a, faith, that's a hope you can find. But let me ask you, what are the, the situations here and now where, where that gets tested, where you need hope? What are the situations that come along in life? What's that? Homeless. Home, when you're homeless, absolutely. Yeah. When you have a test, I heard. All kinds. Right? When people die. When people die. Yeah, when you lose people. Graduation. When you're trying to graduate. Yeah. You don't want to walk in front of everybody? Is that the... <laughs> Yeah, finding a job. Oh, okay, that's the next step. What's that? When you finances, you have, when we have financial needs. Conflict and relationships. Need some hope. What's that? Being a good father. Addiction. When your husband gets deployed. Trips to the emergency room. Absolutely. There are all kinds of situations. And I'm not going to unpack right now how specifically the gospel applies to each and every situation. What I'm going to point you to is to engage in the Word of God with the people of God in community, on mission, like we were talking about in the video, in the everyday rhythms of life. Engage in the Word of God and, and be reminded and be taught by teachers how to, how to draw near to Jesus. How to remember that He is close and He is near and He's accessible and He is the hope that you need for every situation. Join a gospel community, we call them here. Join a DNA group, which is a triad of three men and three women who, who really link together arm in arm, open up themselves and say, here's where I need to place my hope in Jesus, can you help me? And we help one another as the body of Christ point one another to find our hope in Christ. Jesus didn't die and then rise again. He, he did ascend into the clouds, but not to remain distant from us. The first thing He did was He said, come and touch me. It's really me. And then after He rose, like I said, He sent His Spirit. And we can find Him through His Word, through the body of Christ, through prayer, 
and he's accessible and he's near. And that's what he showed us right here in Luke 24. He, he had one Bible study after another. He showed, come to my word and find me. You don't have to be dependent on persuasive and charismatic speakers. Praise God for you today, right? That you don't need a great preacher because you would be in dire straits today if that's what you needed. He says, my word and my spirit and my community pointing you to the word are enough. And that's what he modeled here in Luke 24. He showed them how to find him again and again on their own and with others. Go to the word of God and trust not that the words themselves give life, but that you, when you meet Jesus there, through His Word, speaking to you, you will be renewed, you will be rejuvenated, you will be filled with grace and hope and love, again and again. Jesus walked and talked with His disciples, and He taught them that all of God's story, that's what this is, it isn't a, a handbook on right moral living, it is the story of a God who loves His creation and wants to redeem all of creation to Himself because he loves. Because he loves. So go to God's story like Jesus taught his disciples to do and listen to him. He taught them where to find hope. He taught them where to draw from an endless well of love and hope that when all other loves and hopes fail. I was uh, reminded of this just in the past couple of weeks. I was at a difficult morning where uh, I was a less than perfect husband. So I had a conversation with my wife that was difficult, an argument. And I was heading out for the day and, and I, was, I was just really upset by it. And, and I hadn't yet that day spent time with Jesus through the word. I hadn't drawn near to him through prayer. And, and by God's grace, the Holy Spirit just reminded me and prompted me again. He said, you know that every time you draw near to Jesus through the Word, that He rejuvenates you, right? That it reminds you that it's not about you pulling off a great day. And just the Holy Spirit reminding me of that in my heart was enough. Now I did, then I, I talked to my friend about that that I was with, and we did get into the Scriptures together, but just the Holy Spirit just reminded me of all these moments that happened again and again. And I'm here to tell you and to testify that it is true. But if you draw near to Him through the Scriptures, if you, as you read the Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to, to show you the love of Christ, He will. He is faithful. And He does again and again. And there is no sweeter joy, there is no sweeter love than the love of Christ. And there is no way to truly love and be patient with others than to depend on the love of Christ. Jesus calls us to come back again to His Word. To simply follow Him together. To imitate people who are doing this. To go spend time together digging in to Jesus' Scriptures. Not because, again, the words themselves gives you life, but because Jesus gives you life. But then what happens when, when you do find Jesus, maybe for the first time? What happens when you see that Jesus is the better place to put your hope? What does that demand of you? What does that require of you? 
Well, Jesus sums up his requirements to be his follower in, uh, in one kind of summary command that's two commands in one. It's to love God perfectly and to love others perfectly. That's all that Jesus commands and demands of his followers. But that's not, you guys aren't pulling that off quite well. Well, then what is kind of our hope to put our hope in Jesus? If, if he says, that's what my command is, if you're going to be my follower, you need to love God perfectly and love others perfectly. And none of us are pulling that off perfectly. What do we do? If Jesus is the perfect hope, but I don't have the ability to hold on very well, what then? Faith. Faith in His ability to follow the Father. Faith in His love for me, not faith in my ability to love Him. Faith in the fact that He weathered the storm. That when He went to the wilderness to fast for 40 days... He actually fasted for 40 days. Many of us have been trying to fast for kind of the Lent, the 40 days leading up to Easter. And several of us have not done perfectly in our commitment. But Jesus in the wilderness perfectly committed himself to God. And Jesus defeated all the things that caused me to be unloving. He defeated sin and Satan and the world and my own flesh and death. And so I put my faith in Him. And the only path to faith in Jesus, so even that faith, even that ability to to move from, you know what, I'm good on my own, I'll save myself, to yes, I believe that Jesus died for my brokenness and that I am broken. That I need hope in Him. And so now I do surrender and put my hope in Him. Even that faith is by God's grace. Even that faith is a gift from God by grace. So God graces people with the faith to turn away from false hopes and put your hope in Jesus. That is wonderfully good news. So hear me again. We are all born sons of Adam, daughters of Eve. Sons of humans who have sinned, right? All of our parents sin, and so we're all born as sinners as well. We're all born putting our hope in other places. That is the default mode of every human heart ever since Adam and Eve first sinned. So we're all born putting our hope in places that will fail. So that's the bad news. But God doesn't want that for you. And so he brought you here again this morning to hear this good news that he wants to give you faith right now. To turn away from those broke hopes, to put your hope somewhere sure and wonderful. That's what that's called repentance. Turning away from false hopes, turning away from the lie that something else will sustain you towards the truth. That God is God and that He loves you and that you can put your hope in Jesus. It's called repentance and belief. It's turning away from the lie to the truth. It's agreeing with the good news that even though you're broke and your hope is broke, Jesus has undone brokenness until you can put your hope and your faith in Him. So Jesus is the hope we can be sure of. He's the hope we can find. But we don't stop there. If we just stop and He's the hope that I have, then it can become all about me, right? 
But he's also the hope that we can share. Because the world and the story of the world is not about me. It's about God and God's glory and God's love for the world and His grace. And the way that 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 story moves on, the way that it becomes more and more about God's glory and grace is through me sharing that hope with others, through you sharing that hope with others. And Jesus is the hope that we can share with others. We see that right here in the passage. What do the people do? They, They begin to share it with others. They're running around back and forth saying, He's not dead. He's alive. We saw a vision. I'm not sure if I believe it yet, but He's not dead. I know that. It's a wonderful good news that we get to share with others. Don't you love to give, like, say, an Easter basket to your kid? Like, even if you don't have kids, don't plan on having them anytime soon, those sorts of things you probably kind of look forward to. Like, just seeing the giddiness of a young child come out of their room and be like, Yay! The basket that came from... Somewhere, uh, depending on the story you tell in your family. Don't you love to, to gift a sick friend with hot soup when you can leave it on the step and run before you get sick? Right? Like, don't you love to give flowers to your husband or wife? Don't you love to give good gifts? I mean, like, good gifts that really match the person and didn't cost you an arm and a leg, like those good gifts, or even if you have an arm and a leg to give, you get this awesome jewelry or whatever it is. We, I think it's built within all of us, right? To love, to show love to others. That's because we're created in the image of God. And God is, is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He, he is the perfectly loving community in Himself. We're created in His image to love others, to share good things with one another. So if you found a great hope, what are you going to do? You're going to tell others, right? You're going to share it with others. Like if you found something really great that is just overflowing constantly with more greatness. Like if you found a money tree that never stopped growing money, what are you going to do? Are you going to hoard it all? Like if, it, if, if not, it's a money tree that is endless. You're going to share it with everybody, right? You're not going to hide it. You're going to be like, it's endless. Everybody gets some. Um, man. We are greedy. <laughs> we need to repent of that as well. If you found an endless fountain of life, you're going to share that life with those who are dying, right? If you found the cure to cancer, other than market it for your own profit, what are you going to do? You're going to share it with the world. Jesus is the hope that we get to share because, get this, He died and He defeated death, and He's alive. He's alive, He's alive, He's alive. That is a hope we can share. And so if this morning, this afternoon now, if you believe right now for the first time that Jesus is the hope that you've needed, but didn't have, I want to invite you to just to come on down towards the front, and I have a few of our leaders be here Actually, right now, the band can come back up and lead us in song. I'll be up here to pray with you. If, if right now, you are, are, God has gifted you and graced you with the faith to believe in Jesus for the first time, come on down front and we'll have a leader here ready to pray with you. Tom, if, if you or others could come on and pray with people. And we'll lead you in, in prayer and, and learning to obey everything that Jesus has commanded.
To be able to profess your faith to others, to repent and believe and to be baptized, as Jesus said, to be immersed into a new identity as God's loved one. Or if you've recently placed your faith and your hope in Jesus, but you're not yet connected to His body, the church, if you're not yet being discipled in the way of, ways of Jesus, or you're not making disciples together with His church, you can also come on and we'd love to pray with you and help you get connected with other disciple makers. Help, be, help you be discipled and make disciples. Or if you are already come here today as a believer, having placed your faith and hope in Jesus, but you're being reminded of this good news in a new or in a fresh way in your heart, you can also come up and we'll talk and pray with you because, you know what, the same thing that gets you into the kingdom, repent and believe, is the thing we do again and again as Christians. We repent and we believe. It's not important how much you've sinned, it's important whether you repent and turn to Jesus again every time. So you were convicted by the Holy Spirit this morning to repent and believe. We'd love to pray with you. And as you go, we get to open our Bibles in life together. We get to open our lives together as we meet Jesus through the Scriptures and through life together again and again. We get to share Jesus' love with others. Because He is the hope that lives and loves. He is the hope that we can find. And He is the hope that we can share. So in order to follow Jesus' commands to, to love God, we must be more than students on Sundays. We must make disciples on Mondays. We have to give our time away on Tuesdays. We need to love the wayfarer on Wednesday. We could be teaching others on Thursday and fasting on Friday as we prepare to serve the poor on Saturday. If we love Him, we will also learn to love our most difficult neighbors. You know the one I'm talking about. We'll give ourselves wholeheartedly, not only to each other, but to the world. And will make His kingdom and His love and His hope known throughout every nation, starting right here in San Diego and going all the way to Singapore. That's what we're inviting you to today, to be part of that movement of hope and love. So let me pray. And again, you're invited to come forward. And then as the band leads us in song, I want to invite everyone that has placed their faith in Jesus. Don't just make this a religious act because you came to church on Easter. But if your faith and hope is in Jesus, go to the the tables over there, over there, and participate in the Lord's Supper or in communion. Because Jesus broke bread and He said, this is my body. And He took a cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant. So we eat and remember that Jesus clothes His believers with His righteousness. And we dip that in the juice and remember that His blood cleanses us from our rebellion. So it's an act of remembrance. It's a meal of remembrance for those who have placed their faith in Christ. So even if if you came with a friend today and you for the first time want to take communion as a believer, tell your friend and we'll rejoice in that as well. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus to be our hope and that we, many of us, have found our hope in Jesus. And you're leading some even this morning to turn away from placing their their ultimate hope in other places and 
place their hope in Jesus. I pray right now you'll soften the heart of whoever it is in the room that is, is battling against faith. That for whatever reason, they don't want to truly place their faith in Jesus, even though you're calling them to by your love. God, only you, by your power, soften and transform hearts from the inside out. So right now, soften and transform hearts this morning to place hope in Jesus, to learn to walk in the ways of Jesus with the body of Jesus, the church. I do pray that this week we won't forget this good news, but that we will open up our lives to one another and open up our Bibles together. Not just to know more, but to follow in obedience. To follow in placing our hope in Jesus when life doesn't go our way. Open our Bibles to remember that that all of life on the cosmic scale is going our way if our faith is in Jesus, no matter what it feels like. That in the end, you will make us perfect and we will get to be with you forever. Renew our hope and our joy this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.